0: This week, we continue our series on mental disorders. Beginning with narcissistic personality disorder, we discuss a man in San Angelo who takes out his rage on the most innocent of victims. We then move into borderline personality disorder and cover the slaying of a family, which might make you never wanna go camping again. Welcome to part two of the series and episode 31 of Texas 1031. literally wiping a bead of sweat off my face It's right so now. fucking hot. Our, it's me. Well, no, no, no. I'm sweating, too.
1: Our power bill is $185 this month because it's just so It doesn't feel hot, hot in here.
0: Like, I'm hot.
1: I feel like the air is hot. I was just thinking, like, the air feels Should still. No a window? No, it's
0: fucking hot oh, as shit yeah. outside. <laughs> and it's, like, stinky. You're right. I have it down at 69 Oh,
1: my God. Here, let me put it No, on. no, no. No, no, like, no.
0: Seriously. It's me and, like, the alcohol. <laughs> I am hot. Okay. I have sweating. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> do Hey everyone, this is Hannah and Cassie, this is Texas 1031, and this is a true crime podcast. And you should
1: know by now, we cover less or no murder cases that have occurred in Texas. Hannah is first this episode, but before we start, as usual, do we have anything to recommend this week?
0: Yeah, but I'll, I'll let you go first if you have something you want to talk about. I don't think I do. Okay. <laughs> well, I've been geeking out over, and I'll probably cut this out because I had to cut all that crap out last time, but if I don't um the let's not meet podcast Mm. is amazing you guys need to listen to it it's so good it's the let's not meet subreddit about creepy real stories that people tell not like the creepy pastas but like actually like scary encounters people outside your homes people robbing you kidnapping you just scary shit so (laughs) it's really great that's all i have to recommend
1: yeah i just subscribe right now
0: Okay. Ooh, you know what i actually do have
1: one yeah okay. it's like on my thing so bert kreischer have you ever heard of him no he's a comedian i hadn't ever either, either um he was a guest on anna faris's podcast okay. recently and he was so fucking funny and he mentioned he had a podcast called bert cast so uh, it's basically him he's a comedian he's close friends with comedians like Tom Segura and fucking Oh yeah he's
0: really funny
1: yeah there's another guy too that's really funny that we both would know but I can't remember his name so that's his type of comedy (laughs) cool but um yeah he interviews other comedians like I've listened to the Moshe Kreischer and the um Nikki Glaser episode recently and they were both really good so that's a good one they literally just he's not interviewing them they're just like conversational talking cool and they're funny
0: people it's just it's nice it's a cool break from murder yeah that's that's what i needed yep and i stayed in the scary realm yeah but i was just kind of sick of crime yes like like the heavy stuff this was just kind of a nice little fun break (laughs) um sorry that we talked about other stuff that you guys don't want to hear sorry you know there's a fast forward 15 second button
1: i i have my favorite podcast that i know exactly when their ads are gonna happen and just fast the fuck forward because that exists sorry for getting so angry sorry we do love you guys we oh just,
0: yeah, Cassie
1: has a PSA. Oh, I do have a PSA. Yeah, so we do. We love you guys, and we fucking love, especially our three people, three or four, four people that came to our event. We have their names written down. I have that page. Should I like put that page? I mean, I put it on Facebook. But yeah,
0: Michael. Uh, Kirstie,
1: Eric, and Kelsey. Thank you. Cause I was also working for like raw stuff. So I did not really catch any of their names <laughs> except for Michael. So, but anyways, they're amazing. We love them and we so appreciate them coming to our event that happened last week, but we had already recorded last week's episode. Correct. So we didn't know to be a little bit bummed and kind of upset. Mm. I mean, I'm just going to say this. If you mark that you're going to something, That a small two-person operation is holding as an event. um, And you're an adult, and 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 you you know how to make plans, and you you can keep them. You have a car, you have a Facebook, you can see updates. Yeah, We... Like we we spent money. We put money into this event based on the amount of people that said they were going or even just I did like 10% of the people that were interested plus the like 25 or 30 that said they were going. and it I put
0: her job on the line?
1: I literally did actually. Like I slated this out to the uh, account as a huge event because there was no reason for it to not be at least like 15 to 20 people strong yeah like there was no reason based on the Facebook numbers so the fact that there were four people makes us so overwhelmingly grateful but also at the same time sad so just keep that in mind you know when you're dealing with like small businesses or actual humans that might spend money to support certain things and you don't show them the support it kind of sucks yeah definitely you know
0: but on a happier, lighter note, thank you to all the people that did reach out to us on social media and tell yes. us that they're listening. Yes. Because we always bitch that no one is, but evidently maybe there are four other people that are. So thank you to the people that did. And one of yeah. them, I believe, is in like a city in Wales and she always messages us nice things. So and thank that's you. so
1: cool. And, you know, we always say, you know, no one's listening like that's if you are listening backwards or whatever. Or you haven't listened to like our OG episodes Like that's a total throwback Like we understand people are listening now And we're not like trying to insult you guys So I hope we're not insulting you We just think it's funny
0: (laughs) If y'all saw her face That was funny Um, Okay that's, we'll get off, uh, was it a soapbox? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. We'll stop. Soapbox. So this is episode two of, I don't know why I held up my fingers for two, not that anyone can see. <laughs> you, all, you held up four fingers two, as well. yeah, you're right. <laughs> Whatever. Um, of the mental disorders series. Yeah. Last episode was?
1: Sociopathy. Yes. And... Oh fuck!
0: Antisocial personality. Thank you. I was gonna
1: say narcissistic. <laughs> and I'm like, no, that's not no. it.
0: <laughs> so this week we have narcissistic personality disorder and borderline personality disorder. Yeah.
1: We hope you like this series because we've. I don't know. Well, I don't want to speak for Hannah because we've. Yeah, we've each had our own stressful moments with it, but overall, I've been really excited to put most of my focus on something except yeah. you know other than the horrors. that happened to people and I think (laughs)
0: that that was like the hardest thing for me is that I was used to just okay cool here's the story right here's how I lay it out now I have to like not like put forth the effort but like really research it and kind of pinpoint the variables of them matching Mm -hmm. up and like finding and researching and stuff so yep hopefully someone cares hopefully (laughs) because it sucked yeah (laughs) not it didn't you know what I mean yeah it's a.
1: it's an um, it's an undertaking. A challenge. Or an undertaking. That's better. That's much better. Yeah. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. There you go.
0: Huh. Um, all right. I'm ready. Cool. Okay. So I am first. I'm going to talk about narcissistic personality disorder. Yay. I don't. I know nothing about it. Okay. Really. So this one's a good one to learn about. Hopefully. Uh, I already told her before we started recording. It's going to be a little. Um. You'll find out. It's fine. (laughs) So narcissistic personality disorder, call it NPD because that's just easier. It's another cluster B personality disorder that uh, we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is considered to be one of the least identified personality disorders. So with that said, a common finding in clinical practice is that NPD frequently coexists with other psychiatric disorders. So I think that that's kind of why it's so hard to pinpoint because mm-hmm. it just kind of overflows with multiple things. NPD is a relatively recent diagnostic category. Didn't know that. And wow. by recent, I'm not really sure what that means. Like 30, 50 years. Yeah, I don't know, probably. Probably. Um, its origins stem from a great effort between psychoanalysts and psychoanalytic psychotherapists. <laughs> I can say that because I only have had half a drink <laughs> uh, to recognize a cluster of predominantly difficult patients who could not be classified as psychotic, who are not typically neurotic, and overall not responsive to conventional psychotherapeutic treatment options. Uh, NPD appears to be more widespread in males than females for unknown reasons. Sure. Sure. Um, The most important characteristics of NPD are grandiosity, seeking excessive admiration, and lack of empathy. So these identifying features can result in a negative impact on an individual's interpersonal affairs and life in general. In most cases on the exterior, they act with an air of right and control, dismissing others, and frequently showcasing condescending or uh, denigrating attitudes. Sorry, I had to, like, uh, sound that one out. Uh, <laughs> nevertheless, internally, these patients battle with strong feelings of low self-esteem issues and inadequacy. Uh-huh. So they're just it's not kind of, projecting. They're anti-projecting. Yeah. It's kind of a weird insecurity front. Yeah. Almost, you know. Wow. Um even though the typical NPD patient may have great achieves- achievements, ultimately their functioning in society can be affected as these characteristics uh, interfere with both both personal and professional relationships. Uh, a large part of this is a result of the NPD patient being incapable of receiving disapproval or rebuff of any kind. In addition to the fact that an NPD patient typically exhibits lack of empathy and overall disrespect for others, they... In addition to the rebuffment, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I didn't use the commas correctly. What's new? So. (laughs) Those fucking commas. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sweating. Uh, It starts by early adulthood and occurs in a range of situations as signified by the existence of uh, any five of the next nine standards. So a grandiose logic of self-importance. A fixation with fantasies of infinite success, control, brilliance, beauty, or idyllic love. A credence that he or she is extraordinary and exceptional and can only be understood by or should connect with other extraordinary or important people or institutions. A desire for unwarranted admiration, a sense of entitlement, interpersonally oppressive behavior, no form of empathy, resentment of others, or conviction that others are resentful of him or her, and a display of egotistical and conceited behaviors or attitudes. So I know that some some of that is a little bit of a repeat, but I wanted to put emphasis on those because just like last time, I'm going to point out things in the murder that are very representative of the disorder. So, okay. um NPD has similar characteristics with the other three cluster B personality disorders, which are APD, antisocial personality disorder, uh, borderline personality disorder, and histrionic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. So tack on those characteristics as well, and you've got a narcissist. Um, Several comorbid disorders that occur with NPD are um, major depressive disorder, and that's seen in about 45 to 50% of Mm -hmm. NPD patients. And bipolar disorder, which represents about 5 to 11% of NPD patients. Um, And then the most prevalent comorbidity seen is uh, that of substance abuse. So Mm -hmm. 24 to 64% of NPD patients have substance abuse disorders. This is kind of an overshare, but I think it's interesting on how they do therapy for these people. So, uh, much debate exists between the two key schools of thought. So, both offering conflicting methods regarding the therapist's role in treating NPD patients. One advocates a direct confrontation of the NPD patient during therapy with the goal of eliminating or weakening the patient's grandiosity. So, their sense of, I'm amazing. So, just tearing them down. Kind of. Despite the... Or just like calling them out and just being like, what are you talking about? This is exactly what's happening and you're saying this, but like, why? Like, shut the fuck up, kind of. (laughs) Not verbatim, but you know. On the other hand, the other supports a more empathic? Empathic. Is that a word? Yes. Empathetic? Empathic.
1: I think it's one of those things where you can use either or, but they mean the same thing.
0: Sure. Because empath... Well, no, because an empath... (laughs) It says empathic. We're going with empathic. I'll look it up
1: while you keep talking. All right. I'll just nod.
0: Uh, a more empathetic, empathic role <laughs> that encourages the, paci- encourages the patient's grandiosity, thus strengthening the patient's naturally deficient self-image. In therapy, a common form of treatment is a combination of both. Empathic? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, <Mom. laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, ironically, narcissists are reportedly happier than others in society. Being highly materialistic, self-enhancing, entitled, and impulsive, they may not learn from mistakes and have a tendency to get into even greater trouble, notably legal and disciplinary. So definitely related to APD, for sure. Mm -hmm. So patients with NPD, this is like the last thing I'll say before we get into the murder. So patients with NPD tend to be drawn to people of high societal class who think very highly of them. The constant desire for admiration may cause romantic relationships to be short-lived as they constantly seek for something better or when their lack of empathy becomes apparent to their partners. Narcissists may exhibit an unforgiving nature and showcase anger and aggression in such close relationships. And this can also affect work relationships or any close group activities. So like honest to God, these people like If someone doesn't know that you're very sick, you're going to be known as, like, he's a fucking asshole. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that it's funny that they surround themselves with, like, well, not all of them, but I guess a common thread is that they surround themselves with legitimately important people. Yes. To to make make them them seem more mm -hmm. important. Like, that's really... I know... I know a guy like that and it's like name dropper and like constant this is who I took a picture with and this is the cologne I'm wearing and this is the suit I'm wearing and it's just like no one good for you man yeah you're not that cool no (laughs) so I mentioned in the previous episode the APD and NPD were very similar disorders and I was able to find two crimes that were also similar in accordance with each disorder so as a reminder last week I talked about Tommy Lynn's cells he slit the throats of two young girls in their bedroom so, that's pretty much what happens in this one. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the information on this case is really choppy and kind of all over the place of where I got it from. And, like, timeline-wise. So, sorry. Okay. In advance. Um, to kind of get, like, a clear picture of what happened. So, picture it. Mm-hmm. September 2nd, 2014, San Angelo, Texas. Uh, this was the day that five-year-old Naya Villegas. Villegas? Villegas?
1: Uh, it, yeah, it would be Villagos would be really gringo
0: to say. So <laughs> I think it's Vegas. Sure. Uh, she would be murdered by her mother's boyfriend, Isidro de la Cruz. So the boyfriend. Yeah. The following is an interview with Isidro and his claims of what occurred that night. Ooh. So in the video recorded interview, Isidro's voice raised as he described a day of drinking and arguing with his girlfriend Tanya. Already, we see substance abuse. Mm-hmm. We've all gone day drinking a time or two, but this is about him, not us. <laughs> um, he told detectives he walked over to her house around 2 a.m. that morning after leaving a bar and, quote, she was all angry. She kept saying she wanted money. I was pretty drunk, and I was just going in to Naya's room to give her a hug and a kiss. Good night. Sure. Mm. I felt something sharp on my arm in Naya's room and I found the knife on her bed. Then I, s- <laughs> I slapped Tanya across the face and threw the knife at her. Um, like I shouldn't laugh at that, but I just think that that was really funny. Like, like he's blaming so the hard. baby
1: for already having a knife in no, her bed. I,
0: I think it was funny that he just said <laughs> he slapped Tanya and like threw the knife at her. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's just so shitty. Whatever. This but yeah, sucks. Like, yeah, he's not great at anything. And with, And honest to God, like, narcissistic personality disorder Mm -hmm. has sounded like the
1: least sick of the ones we've covered so far. So I'm kind of just
0: sitting here like, fuck this guy. I took, like, a big, I don't know, the factor of not being able to hold romantic relationships together very well. I kind of took some stock into that being in this situation specifically because it kind of makes sense when we get more into it. Okay. That, like, he doesn't really resemble anything too extensive when it comes to the disorder, but, like, he does at the same time. Okay. It just, you don't immediately think of a guy like this. Um, so when he told the investigator, oh, he told then told investigators he had blood on his hands and he turned on the light in Naya's room and saw blood everywhere. He said he picked her up and took her into the living room where he could see better. He kept saying there was so much blood. So he blacked out? Eh, okay. no, he, I don't know, man. Yeah. He, his account is stupid. Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. So, Isidro said on the video that the knife was his, but he didn't wash it off. Forensics showed that the blood on the knife belonged to both Naya and Isidro, and the knife had been washed off mm. before it was thrown across the street where it was found later by police. Oh, my God. So, obviously, after inter- this interrogation, uh, interrogation, Isidro would be arrested and charged with the murder of the five-year-old Naya. Mm. So, we'll go into the real story of what happened. Okay. And why and the trial. Uh, it actually just occurred a few months ago. So, wow. Yeah. Um, around 2011, 2012, Isidro was training to be a cook at Johnny Carino's Italian restaurant on Knickerbocker Road. Knickerbocker. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> uh, this is where he met Tanya when they were both employed there and they began dating. Uh, a senior chef who was training Isidro gave him the knife that would eventually be used in the murder. That sucks. Yeah. So now in my mind, um, unless the knife was already at Tanya's house, which they didn't live together, so like it kind of doesn't make sense. So he had it on right. him. maybe it exactly. Was pre, uh, premeditated. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. It's like you don't just like cash walk around with a kitchen knife yeah. unless you mean to. Like it's a fucking kitchen knife. You Literally, can't close yeah. it up into a Into its own sheath I mean you could But like It's pretty obvious Like it's just You don't carry that It's not a protective knife No So it's dumb Yeah So this is the Supposed timeline That can get a little Choppy here All Right So Isidro's cousin claims he drove him to an apartment complex, watched Isidro head up some stairs, but unbeknownst to his cousin, Isidro actually went next door to the Parrothead Tavern and continued to drink after day drinking, like I said with Tanya earlier. He later gets a ride from another bar patron and is dropped off a few few streets away from Tanya's home and then walks the rest of the way. Hmm. Shrieking and screaming pierce the darkness on the dash cam video as the first responding officer arrives at the residence. Naya's grandmother had called the police around 2.30 a.m. and the officer arrives around 2.37 37. Quote, I saw the complainant uh, in the roadway waving me down, said Officer Marcus Rodriguez. I heard screams coming from a female. Screams coming from Tanya can be heard on the video as Rodriguez frantically runs towards the residence and off camera. Quote, what did he do to her? That's my daughter. Tell me my daughter is okay. Mm-hmm. Tanya screams off camera. Yeah. Officer Rodriguez questions De La Cruz. Quote, I didn't do nothing to her. Which... Isn't that backwards? Didn't yeah. you do nothing. Like, that means you, you did, did something. It's a double negative <laughs> <Yeah>. fuckface. face. <laughs> uh, he then goes into accusing Tanya of killing Naya, which is just dumb. Tanya runs into the view of the dash cam at 239, sits on the street crying next to her own mother. Aww. Quote, the wound was not bleeding when the paramedics arrived, said medic Justin Neely. But she, uh, but we noticed she was trying to breathe, barely breathe. Aww. Naya was taking two breaths per minute, but a child of her age should be taking about 30 breaths mm. per minute. The child wasn't bleeding anymore because she had either bled out. If y'all can hear those fireworks, sorry. Yeah, it's fucking it's some... Uh The child wasn't bleeding anymore because she'd either bled out or the wound stopped bleeding. Her body was decompensated. Whoa. Meaning she was struggling to breathe and had uh, a dangerously weak heartbeat. The medic reiterated her pulse was dying on the drive to the hospital. He said the child's heartbeat stopped during the drive and she essentially died in the ambulance. Wow. So that's really shitty because she didn't just die right like, immediately. She definitely suffered and right. definitely knew what was happening yeah. to her. Now, I had a few minor injuries, including an abrasion and bruise on her left cheek, small cuts on her chin and jaw. Uh, Photos later shown to a jury showed the body of a deceased five-year-old girl lying on her back, her eyes open with two large lacerations to her neck. The first laceration went from just under her chin to below her left ear, and the skin had fallen away, revealing the underside of her mouth. The second and more serious laceration went from the center of her throat. Center of her throat at the base of her neck, around her neck to the left, below her ear, and to the back and base of her neck. That's pretty serious. That's, yeah. Uh, it is pointed out that you could see the jugular vein was about 60% cut. And the medical examiner told the jury that Naya could not have survived that wound. Wound, He testified that she bled out in a number of minutes and described that process in painstaking detail and believed that the cause of Naya's death was blood loss due to the lacerations on her neck. She bled to death through the cuts in her throat. So, ring any bells? Yeah. Detectives found Isidro's DNA on a window frame, which police believed he used to break into Tanya's residence on the night of the murder. Ring any other bells? Same thing. Tommy broke in through a fucking window. So he walked back to her house. I assumed he walked back because she knew he was going to come
1: to hang out. So he walked back, broke in. Well,
0: that's... They got an argument, something like that. That's where I feel like the... Events, in my mind, are differing from what everyone else thinks, but it could go either way. Okay. So it's not like anyone's right or wrong. I just don't think that the truth is actually being given Mm -hmm. by them. The child's DNA was found on the blade and handle of the knife, while Isidro's DNA was only found on the handle. Mm. The photographs showed blood spatters, smears, drips, and transfers on dozens of household items, including light switches, doors, chairs, walls, carpet, and bedding in nearly every room in the house. His blood was found on the child's clothes and hers on his. Isidro and Tanya gave conflicting accounts of the events that night, but the injuries of all three would uh, shed light on what actually happened. So Isidro had a deep laceration on the back of his upper left arm. Tanya had swelling on her face and blood embedded in her fingernails, Mm -hmm. and police believe that the two were in an altercation before law enforcement even arrived. Mm -hmm. One of the medics testified Tanya told him Isidro punched her multiple times and San Angelo police and medics testified both Tanya and Isidro reeked of alcohol when they came into contact with the pair that night.
1: Okay.
0: According to Facebook Messenger records, they began about 5 p.m. on August 31st, 2014, so just a couple days before the murder. Okay. The messages were friendly, loving, yada yada. They turned from friendly and loving to angry and violent. They argued about money and infidelity. I don't know why this is Jesus so funny Christ. to me. Sorry. Uh, money and infidelity. And the last message, message between Tanya and Isidro was at 1247 on September 2nd, 2014, about two hours before the murder. He cursed and called Tanya a series of derogatory names. So that's first red flag. was mm. in the signs and symptoms. It was, you know, you're very um, degrading towards others. Yeah. you just like, you're very condescending. Um, quote Forget being my wife Bitch Is what I'm assuming It just says explicit So I'm assuming okay, it's a bitch probably. And then Fuck you I'm done for good mm. and She responds I'm not doing this So I think that was A decent response From yeah. her Um, it's fine to text over Facebook Messenger. Sure. Mm. Court records show the two had a rocky relationship prior to the murder. Tanya said the pair had been arguing for a year, and according to court documents... Fucking break up. I'm sorry. It's okay. Accused Isidro of attempting uh, to put his hands on her throat. So it's, like, good that she tried to document it ahead of time. Yeah. Or in the past. Yeah. Um, he spoke critically about Tanya. He talked about cheating on her and then referred to Naya as our daughter. He also quoted was quoted saying, um, when I was going to rehab and I was sober for the first time in forever and my mind was more clear and I was like, why was I even with this lady? Like, I love her, but the kid is not mine and I should have stopped while I was ahead. Tanya testified that the night she that that night she was afraid of Cedro was going to come over and she tried to barricade the residence, Oh. So she could tell over all those messages that like shit was going down and she was worried. about Everything. Then, quote, I heard a thump on the wall coming from the bathroom. Quote, I could hear his footsteps. I ran out of the house and started walking. Attorneys asked Tanya why she didn't carry a sleeping Naya with her. Quote, I never thought he would do anything to her, she responded. She thought Isidro was only coming after her. That That's reasonable. Very reminiscent of John Battaglia. Yep. And how, what was her name? Mary Beth? Yeah. She, she, she said, thought, or was it Mary Beth? Um... um. It was Mary something. Yeah. It was two names, I believe. Yeah. Whatever. She never thought that he would do anything to their kids. And you can never assume that. Like, it's
1: reasonable to think that,
0: especially if they show so much affection. Like, he referred to her as our daughter. Like, she said that he was always really, really sweet to her and never did anything in that sense. So, because there's so many abusive men that only abuse the adult woman Mm. and never touch the kids. It's
1: still horrible, but I mean, I'm not mad at her for leaving the
0: house Mm, no i'm not mad at her for leaving the house (coughs) so crime scene photos showed Cedro's blood like i said in nearly every room in the house including tanya's closet so he was fucking searching right oh yeah he was looking for tanya all around the house but he couldn't find her he was trying to find if she was hiding and he uh he was coming after her so video footage from a nearby business showed tanya looking over her shoulder walking barefoot without her prescription glasses down houston street towards north garfield street around 224 so like i just said she clearly wanted to get the fuck out of the house she was barefoot she didn't have her glasses on she didn't have shit on her so she was terrified terrified. she heard all that stuff going on in the house and she was just like oh my god she left because she wanted to probably protect her daughter, right, from from hearing her mother getting get beaten. Yes, and, exactly, yeah. So, just wanted to emphasize that she left the house with nothing to protect herself, and I think that it was a true moment of like separating herself from what was actually happening. A mm-hmm. um, appeared on camera running down the path. Tanya went about a minute and a half uh, prior, so he was chasing her down the street, and when he couldn't find her, he started going back she so he was so fucking pissed that she ran right so at this point tanya's mother picks her up off the street so i don't know if she was there trying to help barricade the residence or she called her mom and said mom come get me i'm running down the street oh my god The, the only thing she's done wrong so far is not call the police uh okay so tanya's mother picks her up off the street and drove her daughter back to the residence moments later and this is when uh homeboy decides to run back to the house. So the prosecutor said Isidro ran back as well and proceeded to assault both women in the yard. Jesus. So not rape them, but he beat the shit out yeah. of them. Um, a neighbor calls the cops, claiming she sees a man and woman fighting in their yard. And then after they get beat up, Tanya's mom calls the police, like I said. So this is when she calls and then when people show up. Okay. So it is believed that Isidro beat up the women before going into the house and taking his anger out on Naya. Wow. I think this is opposite. This is what I was saying. I think that... He went into the home to find Tanya and killed Naya in the process Mm. on purpose when he realized that Tanya had left. Okay. And then he went after her. Yeah. And then chased her back down to the house after he realized she had gone back with her mom and beat them up in the yard. Okay. I mean, because if they're barricading the house and he had come inside, wouldn't she hear him killing Naya? You know what I mean? If they think that they killed yes. If the killing of the daughter... Do you know what I'm saying? That yeah, sounds, if it happened
1: while they were so close right. to the house, they would be able to... Yes, I do. <coughs> Bless <Right>. you.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like it's more likely that... Because why would... If they were just beat up, why would then they let him go back into the house? Right. That's, and go and kill the daughter. Why You would think that it would happen when they weren't there. Yeah. But that's I, just my opinion. No, I can agree with that thinking because... Ow. I myself in the face. They seem to... But then again, are there stories adding up? No. That's why I don't think that we're getting the full truth. Yeah. So we don't know. Detectives believe that the incident started at the child's pillow and moved to the other side of the bed because there is evidence that she fought back. Crime scene photos also showed a blood-soaked blanket at the foot of the bed. Quotes from detectives and medical examiner Uh, are she gave him a hard time she gave all she had every bit of blood in her body Uh. she did what she could her dna was on his pants shirt and necklace that's her telling us something i'm here on him she's telling us i'm here i'm here on him yeah i'm telling you this uh i'm telling you this because this is who did it this is who did this to me the blood was found on the child's clothes and like i said hers on his dozens of blood stains inside the home belonged to him and naya so it wasn't just him like cut himself and he's touching things like it was a combo right just he was covered in her blood yeah. yeah so attorneys took less than an hour each to argue their case court appoint appointed attorneys robert r cowie and William P.H. Boyles. <laughs> we haven't said attorney names know, in a while. Right? These yeah. are worth it. That <laughs> Isidro De La Cruz experienced personality disorders, learning disabilities, and physical abuse during his upbringing, which affected him in adulthood. Usually at this point in our stories, I feel like we're like, uh, boo-hoo, right. like, bunk you. But like now it kind of like matters. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. we're like, those are triggers. Yeah, That's how right. this stuff starts. Yeah. We're becoming more sensitive people. Sure. These... I mean, still fuck them. but Yeah, they're you know. still pieces of shit. The prosecutor said Isidro had proven he is incapable of accepting responsibility for his actions and can't follow rules. Mm-hmm. She argued a sketchy work history, drinking while on probation. Numerous run-ins with the law and destructive conduct, such as making shanks while he was awaiting trial in the Tom Green County Jail, were all examples of impetuous behavior. So all of those are signs of NPD. Yeah. Um, a Chances. Dr. John Fabian, hired by the defense, reviewed Isidro's education records, arrest and probation records, video and interviews from the scene and witness statements and tested Isidro's IQ and mental state. Dr. Fabian interviewed him twice in 2015 and again in 2016. And concluded that there were so many mitigating circumstances that came together the night Isidro murdered Naya that he called it, the, quote, perfect storm. Mm. Um, he told the jury about his perfect storm theory that caused Asidro's actions that night, and he didn't stop there. He testified that Asidro's actions were due to the fact that he was physically abused by his mother, had mental health issues, low self-esteem, depression. He was sexually abused. His father was withdrawn and distant. He had a learning disability. He had ADHD. He was addicted to alcohol and marijuana, Had experimented with LSD, cocaine, and meth. But like that's like every third person. It is in the world. (laughs) So it's like this guy just happened to have the right genetic makeup for a
1: I thought that was bad personality. Yeah.
0: My dad's distant too, and everyone smokes and drinks and everyone experiments with drugs. Like LSD is
1: supposed to like super enlighten you and well, (laughs) well, meth is mushrooms. Oh meth, no, not meth.
0: All right, Dr. Fabian wasn't finished. He also told jurors that Isidro was shell-shocked from the traumatic events of Naya's murder when he first interviewed him 10 months uh, later in 2015 after she died. So, that's a long time. Yeah. Okay. So, under cross-examination by the prosecutor, Dr. Fabian testified that alcohol could have aggravated antisocial traits Isidro exhibited before the murder, including his impulsiveness. Then... Dr. Michael, Michael Michael Arambula, which, like, that's the coolest last name ever, mm-hmm. um, was called... Are you an Arambulance? <laughs> uh, was called to testify for the state. He was actually an expert witness in the American Sniper murder trial. I figured Whoa. you would know more about that than I do, but... I just know it because I watched the movie. Yeah, I was going to say Bradley Cooper was in something about that, right? Was it? I don't remember yeah. who it was. I just... I don't know what it was about, but it's like, I know it was a big deal.
1: I remember what happened. Okay, do you know what happened at all? No. Okay, so. He, like, killed. Well, Chris Kyle was a war vet, mm-hmm. and so was his buddy. They were both, like, uh, back from Iraq, something like that, back from deployment, and at a shooting range together, and his friend's, like, latent PTSD that he didn't oh, really know he had in. kicked in, and he shot his <gasps> friend. Or he shot Chris Kyle in the head. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's it's so sad. It's fucking sad. I drive on the Chris Kyle uh, Memorial Highway, like, a lot.
0: That's hard to say. Chris Kyle Memorial Highway. Chris Kyle. Chris Kyle. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Yeah. No, it's it's really sad. Yeah. So how does that come into play? He, Dr. Armeambula. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He worked
0: <laughs> on that case. <laughs> uh, so he came up with three opinions. Isidro had a learning disability, substance abuse, and antisocial personality disorder. Mm, sounds However, right. upon cross-examination, Dr. Rambula testified that Isidro was thin-skinned and a narcissist. Hey, there it is. He testified that De La Cruz had boundary issues with Tanya, and that adds credence to his filicide conclusion. Yeah. So... If y'all recall, way back when I covered the murder of Riley Ann Sawyers, yep. I talked about filicide. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to mention that there was a specific type and area of filicide dedicated to fathers and father figures of children. So I finally feel like my theory and or whatever, the research, has come full circle. Oh, yeah. Because we not only have Roy Siegler of Riley Ann, John Battaglia of his daughter, Faith and Liberty, but now Isidro De La Cruz, among a million other pieces of shit, men and women. But... He was sentenced yes. on April 17th, 2018. Wow. Yeah, that's really recent. Uh, sentenced Fuck. to death. Sorry. Sentenced to death. Oh, good. Um, but to wrap things up, I really kind of don't have like crazy amounts of shit to say. Right. Um, I think that I questioned the whole night before, during, and after. Um, I don't know if we'll ever really get the full truth on it. I think that Tanya wasn't being completely honest. And the whole timeline is kind of weird Mm -hmm. Um, We don't really know what caused the arguing and then the stalking on the whole Facebook thing to begin with. Um, Was it alcohol? Was it them picking a fight? Was it real anger? We don't know. Um, So I think that's a question in my mind of like what really happened and like the events that led up to her death before and after. But we also don't know if any of the numerous signs of NPD he showed stemmed from any of these alleged traumas that the doctors testified he suffered from. Right. Do we know he was sexually abused? Do we really know if he had depression? Like all that stuff is kind of up in the air. Yeah. So they could just be things that his defense lawyer threw out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you have any questions? No, I
1: think I asked all the questions I had throughout. Just fuck, man. If you're in a relationship with someone who's a dick and you're constantly fighting or you have a friend who's doing that, like question. Yeah. Like break the fuck up with them. You never know. That's just the crazy thing. You never know when someone Mm -hmm. can snap like that.
0: Well, I just want to list off a few of the main things that he represented. Yes. Um, so, like I said, we can't determine of the stuff that his defense attorneys brought up. But think these are the things we can truly determine based on his actions, either that night or in person or over message. So, obviously, relationship issues. He couldn't maintain a job. Substance abuse. Anger and aggression. Deep-seated low self-esteem. Need for control. Very condescending towards others. Dismissive of others. And appeared happy. Yeah. So I personally believe that he killed Naya to hurt Tanya because Mm -hmm. he wanted attention and he knew it would ruin her and give him more control. Yeah. I believe he wanted to feel important and powerful and being noticed by the public and more important people by slaughtering this innocent child. And he wanted recognition so badly that he would do whatever it cost. So I think the origin of his disease needs further research. And the reason for the violence being activated needs further research as well. Yes. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, I couldn't find much on Little Naya, so I'm sorry. Mm, fuck. But that's uh that's narcissistic personality disorder. Damn. Well, fuck you, Ocelio. <laughs> Is that his yeah. name? Is that his Isidro. Thing? Oh, what the fuck? Where did I get Ocelio? I don't know. Arambula. Yes, things are happening.
1: Yeah. Deep Eddie. Fuck you,
0: <laughs> Isidro. Thank <Isidro Delicares. laughs> you.
1: I almost said Ocelio
0: again. No, and rest in peace, Naya. I, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: So to follow narcissistic personality disorder, we thought borderline personality disorder would be something to. Oh, I thought you were. I thought you were doing that much further away. You're intentionally doing it. That's our transition. We're talking about borderline personality disorder, folks. <laughs> um, crackers. So this, again, is one of the cluster Bs. So borderline personality disorder. Um, A few quick tidbits about it, and then we'll go into the traits and whatnot. Um, This one's going to be a little bit shorter. Um, The traits really hit the nail on the head, so I don't have to really, you know, flower this shit up. So females exhibit higher rates of borderline personality disorder, or BPD, cool. which is very interesting. Yeah, usually we hear about men exhibiting the higher rates, but this one is a female-dominated uh, disorder. Um, it's often associated associated with childhood sexual abuse, um, and it carries the perpetration of impulse impulsive and violent crimes. Um, they carry antisocial traits and they usually have a de- uh, history of domestic violence as well. So 2-6% two, two of all prison populations in the United States um, Or, or
0: two 6 2.6 or 26?
1: I said that whole thing weird. Oh, I was like, what? I just am not <laughs> together with this. Okay, so 2%, 2- hmm. Uh, uh, all the way to six to percent. Six. Yeah, okay. we're not sure, um, oh. but of uh, prisoners in the United States are suffering from borderline personality wow. disorder. Okay. So yeah, it's a. It definitely we'll talk about it. So the traits of borderline personality disorder, are, uncertainty with their role in the world. They view things in the extremes. So it's either all good or all bad. Um, their opinions of others change very quickly. Um, they will do anything to avoid a perceived abandonment. So they have, they, basically their efforts are to avoid abandonment. Um, they have a pattern of intense, unstable relationships, both romantic and familial. So they go hot and heavy, real hard, and it's all fucked up, you know. They have a very distorted self-image. Um, They have impulsive and dangerous behavior. Um, This could fall anywhere from unprotected sex, uh, spending sprees, dangerous drug use, etc. So it's not necessarily outwardly violent, like violent towards someone else. Mm -hmm. It's also violent and destructive towards themselves. So they're just on this path no matter who it's going to affect. There's frequent uh, occurrences of self-harm and suicidal tendencies or threats. Um, There's inappropriate anger and difficulty trusting. And there are also feelings of dissociation as well. So some patients with borderline personality disorder experience only a few of the symptoms. Other experience a lot. So it can vary. Um, Usually if you tick off two or three, that's how they decide that you have this. But they could be anywhere from three to every single one of them. Um, The causes of borderline personality disorder are overall unclear, but research does suggest that it's a mixture of your genetics, your brain structure um, and function, environmental factors, cultural factors even, and then social factors sometimes play a role in or increase the risk of developing borderline personality disorder. Overall, this is a nature and nurture thing, mm-hmm. kind of like what we talked about with sociopathy, kind of like what we talked about with a lot of these things, mm-hmm. like life provided the ammo, or no, uh, genetics provided oh, yeah. the ammo, life like, od- loaded load the, load the gun. The gun yeah. yeah. So what we're finding with a lot of these criminally insane mental disorders, I don't know the PC way of saying that, but you guys know what what we're talking about in this series. Usually it's a mix. Um, So again, genetics, environment, and neurological function are what kind of create the soup that gives you a borderline personality (laughs) disorder. So behavioral therapy and medication can really help kind of lessen the effects of this and lessen some of the symptoms, but it's not one medication. It's several medications working together. So that makes it really hard to treat because you have to get Every medication that you're prescribed, you have to go through, I mean, it could be months or years of cycles trying to figure out which medication is going to work for you, which one isn't going to give you weird side effects. So think of doing that to treat this one illness, but with like five or six different pills. So yeah, because one pill could
0: cancel out the effects of another pill, yep. and this pill is to do that, and this pill is to do that, and then everything mm-hmm. that goes in between of fucking all that shit up.
1: Yep, it's a really trying process, and I actually know from experience with um, people I know in real life that have gone through this and just given up because it's too fucking difficult and it's, too expensive. It, yeah, it's, it's expensive. Yeah, it's expensive, and it takes draining. so long, and you're like, well, if I haven't found something that's going to work by now, nothing will. But when you're working with so many different medications, it's really hard to get that perfect concoction. Mm -hmm. So this is also very difficult to diagnose. Um, It takes a comprehensive look at a person, um, their history, an evaluation, basically what happens to a criminal after they've committed a crime. Um, The psychiatric evaluation, they look at like the crime, they look at everything leading up to it. So that's what has to happen to just diagnose someone with borderline personality disorder. Um, so really it's the impulsive behavior aspect of this disease that, or disorder, not disease, disorder that can get the borderline personality sufferers in legal trouble. They overall have difficulties regulating their emotions. Mm -hmm. So that does not lend itself very well to, you know, their success and well-being. Um, some notable sufferers, criminals, murderers, are Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, he was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, and if you remember, we also mentioned him in sociopathy. Mm-hmm. He is one of those that's diagnosed with quite a few, um, like we did mention in the last episode, and that's also difficult with borderline personality disorder because it can. It's so difficult to diagnose. It can be misdiagnosed as other things, and that also means it's hard to treat, and it takes so long to get you on that right therapy for it it sucks I mean and it's one of those things that if someone is suffering from that they might not know it and they might not know Mm -hmm. that they need to go to a doctor so it's just it's so hard and they they have to really rely on the people around them to say hey we think this is happening we think you need help but why would they go get help if they don't think anything's wrong with them but if you're cooking
0: fucking penises on your stove then You You probably think you should realize something. Right. (laughs) But at the same time, if you don't have the ability to get help or have anyone that cares about you, then yeah, it's impossible. Another notable
1: person is Eileen Warnos. She famously had borderline personality disorder. Poor lady. I know. She was definitely set up. If you guys haven't, if y'all don't know, if you think you know about Eileen Warnos. I haven't seen Monster, so I, I don't know what that movie laid out. But... I can one hundred percent recommend last podcast on the left. They did a two to three episode series on Eileen Warnos and they went real deep. And you you really do you feel bad for her yeah. until they shed light yeah. on her berserker mode and how much she really did know what she was doing. So she's Still a tough take one. Take away
0: that pain and that shit she went through. Oh but, yeah, you know yes. Yeah,
1: um, and just a reminder: Jeffrey Dahmer had seventeen victims. Eileen Warnos had seven victims. So 1.6% to (laughs) 5.9%, that's so weird, like two, 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 um, of U.S. adults suffer from borderline personality disorder. And again, we're seeing a broad percentage because it's so difficult to pinpoint. Um, Men are actually very commonly misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes they diagnose them as like suffering from PTSD so it's very difficult to diagnose a study done in the UK said 90% of inmates suffer from at least one mental illness mm-hmm. so that's substantial when you and think that's about just the it okay yeah so. Think not about United States. We incarcerate yeah. the most people in the entire world, yeah. so I'm sure they all suffer from it's because we have it's just a uh, it's a rippling effect of not having proper care for mental health and not having proper weight into
0: it. You will when you get out. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Out. That's talk about a trigger. <laughs> yeah. um, so with that, those are kind of the bullet points, the things that we need to know and remember. Um, I did the format for this one kind of similarly to Hannah, weirdly enough. Um, we don't t- to discuss this before. We just kind of let the chips fall where they may. So we're going to go straight into my Texas murder. And we are going to talk about more aspects of this as we go throughout this. So we're going to talk about today. William Mitchell Hudson um, from Tennessee Colony, Texas, which is a city. Tennessee Colony. Never knew that. Yes. Very small town. Um, This encompasses the murders of Carl Johnson, Hannah Johnson, Cade Johnson, Thomas Camp, Nathan Camp, and Austin
0: Camp. So that's six victims. Wait, the Texas campsite murders? Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It's cool. I don't know the full story, so I'm oh, excited. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. i glad you don't know the full story. No, I don't. <laughs> I feel
1: like it happens every episode where we're like, "Oh, I know this." And I'm like, "I had no idea," <laughs> because I'm the lesser true crime person in this no, no, pair. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, we're gonna talk about. We're gonna do it in a different format. Usually, we like to talk more about the victims, but yeah. since we're talking about the illnesses, we really need to shine light on these murders. That's why
0: I named the last episode after the murderers. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not but. something we like to do, but it's important to remember, like, yeah. we're learning, you're learning. This is about the illness. It's this fine. is shining that light. It's not like we don't mention them. Exactly. Yeah, we definitely, I, I still definitely try to talk about the victims a lot. But William Mitchell Hudson was born on July 3rd, 1982, hey. which was the day I was writing this, which was super weird, to a, quote, good family, just really fine people. His mother was said to be incredibly sweet, and he was very close with his father, William Sr. Hmm. Um, And he had one sister. He dropped out of his Palestine area high school in his junior year, but he received his GED because he was an intelligent person. He was smart enough to do that. Um, He worked for the Palestine Independent School District bus barn as a maintenance worker, and then he got a security job. So the first star that I put down is he dropped out of his high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is a telltale sign of borderline, you know, unstable, unstable, Um, making harmful life decisions, so Mm. just keep that in mind. Um, William is remembered in his youth as a mildly athletic, um, pleasant young man. Um, Everyone seemed to like him. You know, he wasn't overly popular. He wasn't overly anything. He was just a pleasant person. Um, Some others, though, in his more adult years describe him as a moody loner with a quick temper um which is worse when he is drinking that is another yeah. borderline trait
0: um violent or angry tendencies you know quick to anger i could also see that just like growing up and being an adult like life gets hard you, yeah you get kind of grumpy and yeah. upset and like it's not chipper and easy like when you're a kid but yeah it still is a factor for sure absolutely um, so he married a woman
1: named Katrina in 2004 and had a daughter in 2006, but they later separated and Katrina actually took out a protective order against William. Um, he threatened her life and her, their child's life. So this restraining order said that he was not allowed to purchase Fire, purchase or possess firearms or ammunition, which I thought was really yeah. cool because that doesn't that doesn't happen all the time with restraining orders, or like that isn't carried out. Like they're still able that we to, know of. That we I know guess. of, yeah.
0: I mean, it's just it's not always like in the bold print on like a yeah. TV show that we. Exactly.
1: Um, She feared her life due to the years of physical and emotional abuse she had suffered at his hands. She also claimed that he had a drinking problem and suspected that he used drugs, which is another borderline trait. Mm -hmm. Um, She said... The reason she believed he was doing drugs is because of his increasingly worsening temper and violence. Um, And there were actually three domestic abuse reports before she finally left him to support her claims. Um, William was arrested in early November of 2015 at a gas station for assaulting a female clerk. He was unruly and violent, so assumably intoxicated. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually was holding a gun as well he was he had one on his person and he dropped it during an (laughs) altercation with a customer at the convenience store um so when he was arrested he was very uncooperative which is another borderline trait um and obviously you know he was in a violation of the protective order because he had that gun um so on november 14th william drove his tractor to a campsite on the land adjacent to his family's property so there he encountered Carl Johnson, uh, age 77, and his wife, Cynthia Cynthia Johnson, age 63, um, and also their daughter, Hannah Johnson, age 40, plus her son, Cade Johnson, age 6. They were all from the DFW area. Um, Also with them was California natives, Hannah's fiancé, Thomas Camp, age 46, and his two sons from a previous marriage, Nathan Camp, 24, and Austin Camp, age 21. They were out there camping. Um, Whoa.
0: That's some old ass
1: kids. It is. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, I thought I read that wrong the first couple of times and I looked
0: at a picture and I was like, oh, no. Yeah, they are. He must have just had them young and really young. He was older than Hannah. Okay. Yeah. Whatever.
1: So um, they were actually out there camping, celebrating Nathan's 24th birthday. Nathan
0: camp. Nathan camp. Camping. camping. <laughs> yeah. Sorry.
1: So William came up upon the family in his tractor and he helped them pull their vehicle from some mud and then he shared some beers with them afterward. Um, He hung out a little while, you know, shot the shit, all of that. Real friendly-like. And then shortly later, he led several of the family members into the woods to find some firewood. Mm -hmm. This is when Cynthia Johnson hears gunshots. And this is from William shooting... Four of the family members dead. Um, na- the Basically, the three younger sons and the boy, the fiance. Thomas. Thomas. So, he shot them dead. Um, when Cynthia heard these gunshots, she hid behind camping chairs until she heard no more shots. So, she actually watched her husband fall dead as she hid. It wasn't until 7 a.m. that Cynthia felt safe enough to call 911 and she was the sole survivor. Her husband, Carl, and daughter, Hannah, were found in the campsite trailer. Hannah had been beaten to death, and Carl had been shot and beaten to death. Um, When he was shot, he actually fell on the steps outside of the camper. That's how Cynthia was able to watch it. So two days later, Thomas, Nathan, Austin, and six-year-old Cade were found, as we mentioned, shot dead, but in Williams Property Pond, a half mile away. So he disposed of the bodies in the pond. Investigators found the tractor covered in bloodstains and spotted blood on William as they read him uh, the warrant out for his arrest. Hudson was uncooperative and he actually barricaded himself inside his residence until he was surrounded by officers and eventually came out. So, so far, we see violence, substance abuse, and impulse, uh, an inability to control his impulses but what could possibly be the motive for this otherwise random act of crime right random act of violence not crime as we mentioned William was super close to his father who had recently died of cancer at the age of 60 so that's pretty young to die Mm -hmm. the land that camp had purchased was family land owned by William's mother's cousin so basically William's distant family owned the land adjacent to his family's property when William's father passed away that family member listed the land up for sale Um, she said that William and William's mother did not want the land or could not afford it or a mixture of the two she said she saw no hard feelings over the sale When Camp purchased the land, he put a lock on the fence separating uh, his land from Hudson's land. And he bought it to hunt with his friends and his sons. This was something that was made aware to William Hudson. Um, So we have two triggers here. One trigger is that William's father had recently died, something that absolutely devastated him. Another trigger is that his family land was taken away from him is something he looked at um as a betrayal something he was infuriated by and it doesn't really help that this land was taken for a father-son hunting activity Mm -hmm. to kind of you know blossom so the overall motive is that William was angry over the sale and wanted to take back the land um he was also mourning the loss of his father as we mentioned and like I just said there were multiple father figures present on that plot of land that he saw as his own rightfully so or not you know rightfully his um Cynthia doesn't really speak about this she declined interviews she declined statements um so obviously she is traumatized she lost her entire family in one fell swoop um so therefore I did not find much to speak to the character of the deceased, um, to tell you things about them. Just remember that these are six innocent people that were slaughtered. So almost two years to the day after the murders, William Hudson was sentenced to death by lethal injection for the six uh, capital murders. Um, There was actually a (laughs) 30-minute jury deliberation. So they got that shit done quick. Um, he's currently awaiting the death sentence to be carried out in the Polunsky unit in Huntsville. Oh, never
0: mind. That's my next guy. (laughs) Oh,
1: uh. (laughs) Um, Maybe they're friends. So the trial had actually had to be moved to the Bryan area
0: because of the
1: publicity Mm -hmm. surrounding the case. So the community was outraged by this. Um, Forensic psychiatrist Dr. David Self diagnosed uh, Hudson with alcohol dependence and borderline personality disorder with some narcissistic traits. So his father's death was a clear trigger as stated by Dr. Self. Um, And the land sale also angered him beyond rationality, which was in quotes. So that's something that was either said during the trial or something that was stated later on. But the doctor actually listed that as the motive um they really hope that medication can help manage this borderline personality um but
0: it's you know this
1: guy's pretty fucking volatile
0: and he's in prison is he really getting the medication probably not i mean that's so mean to say but you know
1: like i said some of the clear traits um alcohol dependence possible substance abuse he had a tendency to fly off the handle he was violent um he made multiple decisions that effective his, affected his life negatively he had clear triggers um and while i did not find anywhere written that he had sexual abuse as a child um the person i know that has very clear borderline personality also does not So it's something, like we said, nature versus nurture. It's a little bit of both. In this case, it might have been a little bit more nature. Um, And it was something that was heightened by the substance abuse, as it usually is with someone who suffers from borderline personality disorder. But substance abuse is something that is just a factor of what they suffer from. So if they're not properly medicated, if they're not properly treated, um, it's just going to run amok And it could have, could have these violent, tragic endings, but it's all based on what the specific triggers lead to. So um, again, I say this is a cluster B personality disorder. So as we've learned so far, all the cluster Bs are pretty wide sweeping and they're hard to pinpoint, they're hard to treat, and when they are volatile, they are volatile and terrible things can happen. But yeah, so the violence is something that happens when it's a triggering factor. It's not always going to be yeah. presence in someone that has borderline personality disorder. Um, and I'll just say, if you suspect someone you know, like if this sounded like not specifically the crime that William committed, but if some of the traits I listed at the beginning sound like someone you know, the person I know that has this checks off every single trait every single one of them. So, it's very clear to me that they have borderline and it's also very clear to me that
0: they should not not listen to the doctors and not and not take their medicine. She showed signs of that stuff as a teenager. So, it's yes. not like you're not going to see this stuff until they're 30 or 40 yes. or after marriage or after childbirth. It's pretty
1: apparent. Yep. And if it's it's clear and persistent, you know, it's not something that comes in waves. It's something that is an everyday factor and like we said, people who have this sometimes don't reach out because they don't know anything is wrong with mm-hmm. the way that they're operating or thinking. So if you're suffering, if you're seeing them destroying their lives, they might not even realize that it's not altogether their fault yeah. that they are doing these things. So it's our job as the outside people to really help these people come to the terms with the fact that they do need help and mm-hmm you know, they, it, it can be managed and their life can be 100% better with treatment and medication. So with that, I end borderline personality disorder. Questions and theories? I don't have any questions okay. and theories. I do. Um. So if you do, I, I hoped you would because really mine were just, I think this one sucks for me because I am. I am, I know someone that very clearly exhibits this. So for me, I don't have questions and theories because I see it
0: my are more individually in about life.
1: his situation. Cool. So,
0: so. about his situation, yeah. give
1: them to me. <laughs> so,
0: I only have like four, but, cool. um, where one's just more of a statement. But the first one, I wanted to know if the parents were actually consenting to his high school dropout. Did they agree? Did they care? Was it, he was born in, what would you say, '83? Um, yes. Yeah. So, he's about 10 years older than me. Just a, uh, yeah. Just so, about. that's kind so of, young. yeah. I was gonna say that's not that old, so you'd think that maybe the parents would have more of a grip on their child if he had a good relationship with his dad, like you stated. Like that was interesting to me of like Mm -hmm. what happened there. Dad, mom, you don't care.
1: I think it it sounded like in my research he helped out uh, on the family
0: ranch Mm. a lot, like
1: you know, blah 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 blah. So it sounded like again, I'm putting this in in the the terms of the person I know.
0: High school, do people still do that? Yeah.
1: The person I know dropped out of high school. Oh my gosh. Yep. They dropped out and got their GED. There you go. It's it's just, you know, it's something that they, something in their brain is just not letting them function in the mundane everyday. Like they Mm -hmm. are more inclined to not, you know, lack of a better phrase, fuck that shit up. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and I think, and I think him getting his GED and then working and then helping out his family, like his family were apparently very good people mm-hmm. you know they probably fucked up along the way a little bit but Man, there was no is. exactly yeah. okay. there was no extenuating circumstances so i assume that they were upset but, but it wasn't something that was yeah. like another trigger You're close to an adult he dropped and out and it was like
0: this huge yeah. fight and rift in the family that maybe he happen. promised I'm, i'll am i get my gd i just want right. to do this that, the other. Okay. and he did it so it's like all right well um the second thing I wrote, this is more of just a statement. This sounded like the uh, Appalachian Trail killer. of mm-hmm. like, I'm going to take y'all out into the woods. yeah, And just, like, kill everyone. That's yep. all I had to say about that. Um, and then the third thing I wrote was that why did he dispose of just a few of them? Was that an impulse thing? Was it, well, the other two are kind of hidden because they're already in the cabin or the, the RV trailer mm-hmm. thing. Why did he go out of the way to lift up men and put them in a pond?
1: That is, And that is something... I could not find any, any reason for because I don't fucking understand that either. I
0: feel like that would had to have been like a moment of like,
1: like lucidness
0: of like remorse and like yeah. what did I just do? But also like I got to cover my shit up or like
1: right. And know. maybe he was planning on taking <coughs> Carl and Hannah's body and disposing yeah. of them and ran out of time. Yeah, maybe because Cynthia had already like
0: oh yeah, my big question. She was already gone.
1: My big question is because the person I know that has borderline. Um, they claim that they black out mm-hmm. during fits of rage okay. and violence. And I can see that because of some of the things that okay. happened during it. So I'm wondering if he blacked out, yeah. which would make me understand more why he fucking forgot about Cynthia.
0: Yeah. Why he didn't realize that there wasn't a seventh body. was he body. fucked up and drunk and counted wrong? Right. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, because she was behind a bunch of camping yeah. chairs and we all know what camping chairs look like. They're not that big. They're... And she uh, she sustained injuries, but the only injuries I could they were not disclosed by police. The Only mm-hmm. injuries I could find were that she was
0: in in a fire ant pile. Okay, so the she was fucking hiding and, yeah, yeah, like twelve hours while they she waited in head find another human. Right. Well, the blacking out thing reminds me of the message we got about Stanley Falder. Yes, the narcoleptic thing. She said that she suffers from blacking out when she, it, well, obviously, when she suffers from narcolepsy. So you black out during random periods of time and you can't remember things. So that would explain a lot of potentially Stanley's confessions. And yeah. then the situation, what happened to him? And he wakes up and was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about those two other people. Right. In the trailer, I forgot to dispose of them. So that makes I can sense. Yeah, I can see that. Um... I wanted to know, my last question, I wonder what a co- what caused the abuse to his wife and child. Like, what started that, and, like, what kind of abuse was it? Was it verbal? I mean, right. obviously, she reported it being physical, but, like, was it, because we've talked about those guys that start abusing their wives and children, and it's, like, when she gets pregnant, right. when she starts working, when she, blah, 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 when you know, the when he's not, in, not in control. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to know if there was some sort of coercion. You know, mixed in there.
1: I kind of attributed that to the alcohol and substance abuse, alleged substance abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, again, the person I know that has borderline, um, when they are met with opposition, they turn physically violent. Okay. So I can see, you know, you're in a fight, like married couples fight. Mm Mm-hmm. They probably were having escalated fights, especially if he was drinking or if she had a particularly fiery personality. Yeah. And I can see just that mere fact that they are fighting be a catalyst for him to turn violent because he has so much rage that it or could be blacking out. So that
0: makes a little more sense. You know, she let it happen for a bit and then she got out. Mm -hmm. So she was combative with him. And if you're calling someone out on their bullshit and they don't want to hear it and they don't understand what they're doing is wrong. I can see I the can violence. See that, yeah. Yep, for sure. Okay. Well, those yeah. are the only questions I had. So. Sweet. Um, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, that that one that one definitely hits me the hardest because mm-hmm. it's like, fuck, man. Like, it this one to me is the most just to me personally is the most difficult to get a handle on because
0: relatable. It's relatable. Yeah,
1: yeah like people don't realize they're suffering from mm-hmm. this. Um, I do believe that Mark David Chapman who killed John Lennon, also suffered from borderline Mm -hmm. personality disorder, um, among a couple other things. So it's like, sometimes you don't know until it's
0: too late. They all just sound so common. You can dissect all those individual, you know, symptoms, side effects, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, well, everyone can relate to those things. And imagine all of that happening all the time, constantly. Uh That's got to be terrible yeah and that's why it's you want to help these people and you want them to understand Mm -hmm. that they need the help
1: and it's frustrating when they don't understand that they need it because you can literally watch the movie of their life play Mm -hmm. out like it's already been written because it has been because if they don't have help for the shit there's no way they can rise above it because it's just always going to happen that one was fucking random (laughs) no they had not happened for quite some time (laughs)
0: I did write one more thing, and it's not about borderline, but it is about mental illness, and mm-hmm. it's and if you we want to wrap this up, sort of, um, it goes back to my suggestion or my recommendation earlier about the Let's Not Meet podcast, and on a serious note about that podcast, there are so many. Uh, stories that are written about stalking and coercive control it is beyond whether the writers realize it or not and so I just want to remind everyone that this stuff is beyond real yes and like these men and women who do this stuff to these people like the mental this could be our next fucking series about this stuff like I feel like it comes up so often in our like sub-conversations and like also like podcast talk because it's just terrifying yes. that people are dealing with this stuff that suffer from it and have to suffer the consequences of it mm-hmm. so if you're suffering from this type of disease as well um course of control stalking whatever get help please you guys reach out help help to someone out there yes Don't let it get, don't
1: let it go too far. And if you know somebody that is suffering from any one of these that we mentioned, or this inspires you to look up, if you have someone in your life, that's like fucking handful, like Mm -hmm. look up their traits, look up different mental illnesses and then help them because so many of these people, yeah, Yeah. because like we mentioned, like these, they're everywhere Mm -hmm. and it's not to say like, like, you know, zombies, like they're everywhere. Like they're all dangerous. They're all terrible, but Everybody's suffering from something, and you never know who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It could be your boyfriend that came to fucking beat the shit out of mm-hmm. you that murders your daughter. It could be the hick neighbor <laughs>
0: the <laughs> on your campsite that and just came and shared a few beers. You trigger someone as you well. You never know. So yeah. you could be totally fine living your life till you're 60 years old, and yep. then someone does something and it pisses you off, and you're going off your whole entire neighborhood. So, yep. Not that. You never know. Whatever. <laughs> it's just important to not yeah. ignore these traits because Correct. like
1: we've talked about over and over again, like they are all so meaningless when you think about them mm-hmm. singularly. But when you think about them in singularly? conjunction, we've talked about this before. That's a word. Singularly. God damn it. That is how the conversation ended. It's singularly. <laughs> Fucking it i'm sorry, i shouldn't have interrupted
0: you because you're on a really good point. no no no. but yeah yeah yeah. so like individually, individually they're innocent that's the better <laughs> word
1: <laughs> i just like almost I, like air punched <laughs> hannah but yes individually they're not that bad Altogether, yeah. they could be terrible yeah. and these people are suffering dude yeah. so yeah sorry tangenty but no
0: this whole series is a tangent oh yeah speaking of series we're going to end this episode and go on to episode three here shortly if you guys don't know by now we fucking record this shit back to back so you're welcome yes or whatever so that's going
1: to wrap up episode 31 Guys, thank you all for listening. Oh, yeah.
0: Cross all that out. Oh, yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, Don't forget. We're going to figure out, since we have so many fucking leftover stickers that we purchased ourselves to give to you at our free event that you fucked up and didn't come take, we're going to find out a way to create a store to sell them. Yeah. You know, not super expensive or anything, but just something to give you
0: guys some swag and help us recoup. Or If you guys um, don't live in the area, if you guys want to buy them our sources and where to reach us through email social media all that stuff is going to be in the show notes um but yeah go donate to us on paypal <laughs> we're going to be back next week with some more
1: texas true crime and <laughs> criminal mental illness oh, okay. sorry
0: sorry 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 i <laughs> try that again yes do we want me to hold back i'm just gonna not say that okay so i'm not gonna, like I'm not gonna like add oh, okay okay
1: so we'll be back next week with more texas true crime And And if if anyone's anyone's listening, listening, happy happy Halloween. Halloween.
0: (laughs) Criminal mental illnesses. God, we're the worst. (laughs)